Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. battle of the invisible empire. They're demonic spirits that go out trying to stop you and me and us from doing what we do for God. And this is just the way they work. Verse 45. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Why? Because in their own minds, they have their own truth which unfortunately is a lie. And if they were in the word, they would know that the way they're living is a lie because if they're claiming to be a Christian and think they're better than everybody else, well, then you know they're not walking in truth because the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. We're all sinners saved by grace. Or they think they're God. So where does that leave them? Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, you do not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you're not God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say you're a Samaritan and have a demon? (laughs) These guys are just totally irate now. They don't know what to do. They made fun of his birth. Jesus contradicts that. Then, now they're saying, you're a Samaritan. By the way, in those days, prejudice did exist. Now, to explain this very quickly, when the Assyrian Empire, way back because of their wickedness, they were conquered. Hezekiah was the king of of Judah at the time, and he cried out to God and said, God, help! And so God, for some reason... As the Assyrian Empire is coming down on the ten northern tribes of Israel, Hezekiah down here in southern Israel cries out to God, and Assyria stops. Carries the people of Israel away, moves new people into the land of northern Israel. There was a people that were left over who were Jewish. They intermarried with these resettled people. And this is the one of the way the Assyrian Empire did it, was to disorient people. And so the Samaritans were half-breeds. Part Jewish, part Gentile. They didn't know what they were. And so the Jews, because they weren't pure, had nothing to do with them. In fact, if you were going downtown and you were uh, caught touching one or having dinner with one, that was a terrible, terrible crime that you had committed. This is why Jesus, at the woman at the well, who was a Samaritan, when he says, give me a drink of water, there's a lot more there, friends. If you've been coming here, you know what the story is. For if you haven't, I'll just give it to you real fast. When he said, woman, give me a drink of water, the woman said, how are you being Jewish? Ask me, a Samaritan, a half-breed, low-life scum, for a drink of water. The well is deep, and you don't have anything to draw with. That would have forced Jesus to use her cup. Ooh, to drink after a Samaritan? 
That would just be unbelievable. And so this is what caught the woman's attention. Jesus did not show partiality against the woman. Well, then she wanted to know more. And they begin this conversation. And finally, we find that, that uh, Jesus begins to speak to her about her personal life and all. Uh, and so anyway, as we look at this, they accuse him of being a Samaritan. And if that wasn't enough, and you got a demon too. Whoa, man, these guys are just, they're grasping at anything they can get now. They're just trying to pull straws. And Jesus answered. And I think this is a good way to answer sometimes. Just be blunt, be bold. I do not have a demon. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Wow. Isn't that something? It's not in the law. It's in Jesus' words. Well, the Jews said to him, Ah, now we know you have a demon. You know, I don't think, I think Jesus could have said the sky is blue. They would have said the same thing. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. Friends, when you share your faith and they're trying to trap you, when you get around somebody that doesn't, all they want to do is offer excuses. They're going to say all kinds of things. When they're mean to you, they were mean to Jesus. Don't get your feelings hurt because you let your light shine. And don't let your feelings hurt because you stood up for the truth. So, Jesus said, you'll never die if you keep my word. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead. The prophets, and if you say, if anyone keeps my word, he'll never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead? Whom do you make yourself out to be? Just, who are you? He was saying to them, they're now desperate and they're trying everything they can do. Are you greater than our father Abraham? See, they believed their ability to go to heaven was not because of their faith in God, but because of a birthright. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me. Of whom you say that he is your God, yet you have not known him. And by the way, because when you know God, you know his goodness, you know that you're a sinner saved by grace, it changes our attitude towards others. It just does. It just does. I, I can't go around with a haughty spirit saying, oh, look at you in my low-down scum life over here. I like to be good to the peasants every once in a while. No, I'm there by the grace of God, go any of us. And if I look at a person that's not saved, I I go, God, why did you choose me? And how can I help this person see your light? Again, friends, we don't walk up to somebody that's blind, walking in darkness, kick them really hard in the shins and say, stupid blind person. No, we have compassion. We go, God, how can I show you? What do I need to do? That's what love is, friends. 
Not to point out their blindness and their darkness. They know that. Don't you think they've stubbed their toes a lot in the dark? On the things of this world? He says, you've not known him. But I know him in verse 55. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. Friends, now we go into some of the most, I think, this is some of my most quoted scripture right here, is what we're reading. This right here knocks the wheels off of most of the cults in the world. So get this. If you like to underline things in your Bible, please do this and then write it in the front of your Bible so that you will have it for reference. And here's what it is. Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? By the way, why did they pick the number 50? Because they believed, the, the Jewish people in the, in the temple believed that 50 years old was the age of full maturity. You, you, you've seen it all, been there, done that, got the hat. You know, you're 50 years old, you're a man. And so, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. John eight fifty eight. Memorize this verse. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Wow. That's current, past, present tense, folks. Now, just to let you know, it's the word ego amini. It is the same word when in the Old Testament, Moses notices a bush that's burning out in the wilderness. He goes up to this bush after watching it for a while. Notice it didn't just burn out. And the bush spoke to him. Take off your shoes, Moses, where you're standing is holy ground. And then God gives him the outline of him to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let his people go free. Moses is getting ready to leave. And he looks at the bush and says, uh, excuse me, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell him the I am sent you. Now, Jesus claiming to be the I am, claiming to be, by the way, ego amini in the Greek here is improper Greek. It's improper English. We would say before Abraham was, I was, uh, before Abraham was, I will be. But to say before Abraham was, I am, it's a present tense statement to describe something that was in the past. It's improper Hebrew, it's improper Greek, it's improper English. But because Jesus was the I am, it's not improper, it is proper. And he said, most surely I say to you before Abraham was, I am. I've shown this to Jehovah's Witnesses. I've shown this to other people, religions that do not believe Jesus Christ is God. And they go, yeah, so. And I said, what do you mean? You don't believe Jesus Christ is God. Here... Jesus is claiming to be the I am of the burning bush. Well, no, it really doesn't mean that. It, and they start going into their little curtsy dialogue things. Ah, but here's the best part that we learn this line upon line. John eight fifty nine. let's read it. And they took up stones to throw at him. Why? He claimed to be God. 
a capital offense. If you claim to be God, you could be stoned to death. This is why they picked up the stones to stone him, because he was telling them he was God. You didn't just stone somebody because they said, well, before Abraham was, I am. It's because you were claiming to be the God of the Old Testament. And this is what set them off. Like I say, the book of John, if you really read all of it, will derail most of the cults today. And if you read John 8, it will derail, again, in simplified terms, almost all the cults. And if you read the last couple of verses of chapter 8, it derails, again, most all the cults. Because of this reason. Cults have two things in common. Who Jesus Christ is and eternity in hell. They like to say, well, hell is just annihilation. You know, you push the button and, yep, all gone. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says it's a lake of fire that burns forever. What would be the purpose of it burning forever and ever if punishment wasn't forever and ever? Why do you think Jesus would have given up all of heaven to come down and be born in a dirty manger, have people spit on him, drive spikes through his hand, shove a crown of thorns on his head, and die a brutal death if it was simply just annihilation. No, hell is really bad. In fact, I don't know how bad hell really is, but I know Jesus gave up everything to keep us out of it. Now notice again, they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so pass by. Wow. Now this creates some problems of theology too. What is it saying? Let's read it. And he went out of the temple. It says, Jesus hid himself. Wow. That means that Jesus looked like everybody else. Jesus didn't glow in the dark. Jesus hid himself and walks out of the temple and they all scream, get the one with the halo. That's him right there. Get the one that's elevated above the ground three feet. That's him. It says that he hid himself, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. It's as if he never was there. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny that Jesus didn't feel bad about identifying with us? I like that. Well, that's because that's what love does. Love does not elevate itself against somebody else. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus, seeing the multitude, had compassion on them. Why is compassion necessary? Because you recognize, you feel what they feel. You, you, you see them, Jesus, oftentimes the Bible says in the Gospels, when he'd see the crowds as sheep without a shepherd. Why is that? Because he realized they had been ripped off by the lies of the day, by the religion of the day. And just going back to that common denominator in Christ. See, that's why we can trust God. That's why we can trust Jesus. It's who he is. And God says, I'll forgive you. I like that. I didn't have to join a church. I didn't have to sign a pledge card. I didn't have to 
to uh, uh, do a lot of religious things. I didn't have to read a lot of religious books. All Jesus said was that I would believe in him. Friends, let's put all your faith, hope, and trust in. Everybody is putting their faith, hope, and trust in something. Well, you know, I've got my 401k, but of course in 2008 it became a 201k. Well, you know, I trust in whatever it is you can put in there. And you'll see that it will always let you down. Jesus never fails. This morning, if you're, try, if you're tired of trying to play that which makes you something, well, I've got this, and I have these kind of friends, and I have these uh, diplomas on the wall, and I have this much money, and I have this and this and this. This makes me something. No, it doesn't make you anything. But Jesus does. And that's what it's about, friends. It's your faith and trust in him. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that. For this reason, Christ died. It isn't by religion. It isn't by being religious. It's by our faith in him. And when I find myself in him, I find myself in his word. I start copying what Jesus does. By the way, the Bible says they were first called Christians in Antioch in the book of Acts. The word Christian doesn't mean Christ-like. It means little Christ. And it was actually a term the world gave them like they did to the Christians back in the late uh, 60s, early 70s, Jesus freaks. It wasn't a, a good term. They were saying, look at the little Jesuses over there. Why? Because they were doing what they saw their master doing. Oh, that we'd be more like Jesus. You know, there's a verse here. Wasn't going to read, but I talked about it last week. Verse 29. This is back up and then we'll finish. Jesus said, he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. And this is it, friends. For I always do the things that please him. I I look at that verse and I go, God, I just wish I could say this all the time. I try. I want to. And when I don't, that's where God's forgiveness is. You say, well, I'd be a Christian like this morning, but I'm afraid I might fail. I'm afraid I might not be able to always do the things that please him. Well, this is where John, the beloved disciple, writes in his epistles. He says, my little children, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus. You have a lawyer that pleads your case. I like that. I need that. So you can't lose. No longer manipulated by the world. You find your identity in someone that's grounded in eternity with an eternal reward for us that will believe in him. Friends, it's great. I I mean, if you put a price on it, how much would it cost? But God just gives it to us for free. Why? He loves us. He saw us in our condition and says, I'm going to fix it. I talked about this before, but, you know, in other religions, go burn so many incense sticks. Go do so many religious things. Go say so many repeated prayers. Go join so many churches. Go knock on so many doors then you just might be forgiven. Jesus not only forgives us, but this is only something God does. He fixes what's broken. 
Oh, I love that about God. No religions of the world offer that. They'll offer that you might get your sins forgiven by doing some kind of crazy thing, which, of course, that's not going to get their sins forgiven. But in Christ, Jesus fixes what's wrong. I like that about God. He's the repairer. Oh, man, I'll tell you. Someone that can fix what I've done wrong. Now, that's the gospel, friends. That's the good news. Because I can break stuff real good. In fact, I think, honestly, I think children, when they look at something, I think they think in their mind, hey, this will break. But God looks at us and says, but I can fix it. Let our God fix you today. What's wrong? What's hurt? What, what, what dream, what vision was gone in your life? All those things can never be. God can fix it. Let him fix it for you today. If you need prayer this morning, let's pray. If you need to ask Christ in your life, let's pray right now and let Jesus come in, fill you with his love, Remind us always, we're sinners saved by grace. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, forgiven in him. That's what love is, friends. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. Jesus, I ask you to fix what's broken in me. Heal me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Help me live in your word and live in your light. I don't want to be taken advantage of by the world anymore. By people who say they were my friends. By people that that promised me a a, a better way. For it only comes through you. And so now, I give you my life. So I will only do, God, what I see you do. And forgive me when I don't. So my life will reflect your love. And so now I ask you to forgive me. Write my name in your book of life. I can spend eternity with you. Never to be scared of dying ever again. And so, Lord, I give my life to you this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.